All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back to another episode of the Remote Closing Academy podcast. And uh, I'm extremely excited for this episode for, for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, because the, today's guest, uh, I've known this guy for probably like four or five years. I've seen him, you know, from the very beginning stages of having an agency and, you know, now being one of the highest performing people on the RCA team. So we're going to talk about his story. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff, but also uh, very different from some of the other episodes, get very tactical. So if you are someone that is, thinking about getting to remote closing, you're already a setter or a closer, uh, towards the end of this episode, we're going to dive deep into how Jared's been able to you know, get to where he is and some of the strategies that he uses to, to just do really well in his call. So I just said his name. So first of all, Jared, welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? I'm excited to be here. Let's do it. So, dude, like I said before, we've we've known each other for for quite some time. So, the way that we usually kind of go about this is we'll 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 run the clocks back a little bit. So, let's talk about like what were you doing even like before your agency, like before you had the agency, like what types of jobs did you have, like what, like just tell us all that stuff. I'd love to, dude. So, before I got into this whole like online marketing money making space, uh, dude, I did a lot of different things. Like I, I picked blueberries. I was a waiter. I was a delivery boy. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. You picked blueberries. Go, go, go into that. <laughs> yeah, dude, I just like sat outside all day um, in a blueberry field, walking around, just like picking blueberries with my hands. I got paid like per pound I picked. And uh, dude, I did that for like two summers. Um, that was probably when I was like 15, 16. I've been working like part time since I was like 12 years old, just all kinds of different jobs because I didn't really come from money or anything, so if I wanted to go to the movies or buy a phone or even just go get food with my friends, like I, I didn't really have the luxury of going to my parents and like, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, asking for that money. I had to get like earn it myself. So mm-hmm. I, I was working since like really young age, and yeah, dude, picking blueberries, a waiter, I was a pool boy for a little bit, uh, all kinds of different construction jobs from like drywall to uh, I was a painter for a long time, and uh, um, ultimately, like what got me into this space was. I was doing the painting thing full time from like 18 to 19 and dude, I just like woke up one day and I was laying in bed and staring up at my ceiling at six in the morning thinking, damn, is this really all life is going to be? Like I I make enough money to get by, but not enough money to start getting ahead, not enough money to start saving. I truly did feel like I was living to work as opposed to like living my life and doing the things I wanted to do. And dude, I was just sitting there thinking like, there has to be more to life than just like working it away. So, excuse me. There was a point where I don't even know how it happened, but I just saw some guy on Facebook one time talking about his Lamborghinis in his garage. And dude, that was the point. I think that was the very first ad I ever seen. It was Ty Lopez all on my Facebook and he's talking about making money on the internet. And dude, I became intoxicated. I was like, wait a second, you can make money on the internet? I grew up on the internet, so I, I feel like yeah. I can figure it out just as good as the next guy. Um, and, and jumped into a lot of different things, dude. But at this time, I was still painting, and I just made the decision, like, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. This seems a little bit more in alignment with what I'm looking for out of life and the freedom I want to have. And obviously, just like everybody else, probably looking at making money online, there's a lot of money to be made online. So I was like, hey, I could like uh, let's, let's start making some money and get out of my painting job. Um, yeah. So that, that was the point where... I started researching everything and trying to like figure it out and spending every single free minute I had on either like Google or YouTube or joining all these different Facebook groups and like just trying to grasp or or just like gain a little bit of an understanding on like how this whole world works, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, because uh, that was one of the first, um, even with Ty, like talking about Ty Lopez, like I think that's, uh, we even talked, I think someone mentioned at the the event that we were just at, is, you know, Ty Lopez, like that, like starting a, a marketing agency is like, it's almost like the prerequisite of even jumping into like making anything money. Like you always start an agency and then it kind of like you figure out, okay, this might not be for me, but let me like kind of go into these different things. So um, Jared and I actually met in a previous, uh, you know, how to build an agency program. And uh, I was a coach at the time. So Jared came in as as a student. Right. Um, and, and it was funny. We were, we were talking a couple of days ago about this as well. I was like I could so vividly remember like. You coming into the program, you know, you and David, a business partner at the time, and he's on the team now as well. Um, and just like all the different steps in between of like listening to your calls and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about the agency stuff. Like, so you jump into starting agency. We, you know, we are in this program. Um, what were some of like the things that got you into starting an agency and what ultimately made you make the decision that, okay, like maybe I should do something else other than this? Totally. Dude, how we started the agency is actually kind of a funny story. So at the time I was doing like a lot of e-commerce. I was making most of my money online through like affiliate marketing and selling this like Instagram growth tool. And and I had a plan of starting an agency in like five or six months at the point when I actually did start it because it just seemed like a little bit more legit to me. Like I didn't really resonate with selling things from like China and waiting eight weeks for my customers to get it and and making like $2.50 per sale. I was like, okay, I see the validity in, validity in this, but uh, I don't know if I really want to do this. So had the thought in the back of my head of starting an agency and uh, David, business partner, he was actually buying a car at the time. And so we went, we were looking at cars and we were test driving one of the cars and the car salesperson's like, hey, what do you guys do for work? Like, what do you, like, how do you make money? And uh, I started to explain like online marketing and what we do. And he's like, wait, can you, can you run ads for a dealership? And uh, again, I already had the thought in my back of my mind to start an agency. And I'm like, well, you know what? Boy, are you in luck. Um, yeah, we can. So I ended up booking a meeting with them and, and jumped into the agency thing. Had my first meeting, signed them on as like a trial client, ended up signing them on as a full-time client. But the, the problem with like starting an agency, dude, and you can probably attest to this, is there's so many different skills you have to get good at and you have to master in order for it to actually be successful. Like it's not enough to be good at sales and sucking at everything else. It's not enough to be good at marketing and suck at everything else, building teams. Um, like, dude, there's so many different things. Like there's a laundry list. And I tried to scale that business for like four months, three to four months. And I, I couldn't figure it out. Like I maybe signed two to three clients, made like four to 5K, but it, it was really difficult to like have a consistent stream of inbound appointments and, and clients. Cause again, I was just like a headless chicken running around trying to figure it out as I go. Um, and then dude, next thing you know, this guy, Sebastian popped up on my newsfeed and it was talking about how he helps people grow marketing agencies. And next thing you know, somehow, some way I ended up on a webinar with him and his business partner, Brian Ostmiller. He's actually on the team now too. Um, and I watched, stayed the whole time for the whole hour and the things they were talking around about scaling marketing agency, I resonated with. I'm like, damn, these guys know what they're talking about. Like they are a hundred steps ahead of me. If only I could just work right under their wing and have them just spoon feed me the skill sets and everything yeah. I need to focus on to scale my agency. And next thing you know, I ended up on a remote closing sales call and uh, talked to Brian. He closed the shit out of me and uh, bought the <laughs> program. And dude, that's when everything changed. And, and yeah. funny story, I remember meeting you, Aaron, like the first time I got on a one-on-one -on -one call, because you were obviously our coach at the time. Um, I remember looking at your YouTube and you had like a few hundred thousand subscribers. And dude, I was like, I was in awe. I was like, oh, I'm finally starting to make it. I'm talking to a guy who has thousands and thousands of subscribers on YouTube. Like I'm, yeah. I'm heading in the right direction. Uh, um, and so, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was just, I was oh. saying, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause, um, 
you know, the, at the time too, is like, I would use that like hundred thousand, it's like 160,000. I would kind of use that as to my advantage, even though like at the time it wasn't even really like that much. It was like, su I was super inactive on the channel, but it did, it did create like opportunity, like for people to see, you know, see the face on there and kind of put a face to the name. Like it definitely really helped. Um, so, okay. So you start the agency, you jump into to the program. What, what happened next? Um, so did I, I had a, like quite a bit of good success. Um, I was able to go move to a city that, that I really wanted to move to. I'm from Canada. So I like me and David grew up in like anyone who's watching. If when you think of cliche Canada, cold winters, like you walk outside and your face hurts, like that's where we lived. So I, I ended up signing a few clients and moving to like a warmer part of Canada. And, and I felt like I was on the right trajectory, but, um, even though I had the help and like, I knew where to be spending my attention, and I was making decent money. Like I was probably profiting between me and David, like five to 8K a month in profit, which like sounds better than it is. Cause I was still like working my life away. Like I was a business owner now and I was working like 10, 12 hours a day. I had all of these responsibilities and I had to wear all of the hats for the business. Um, and it just wasn't really worth it. And what I started to realize was I'm more attached to the outcome the business would give me as opposed to like being super passionate about marketing. Right, at least at that stage in my life, yeah. that chapter in my life, like, dude, I just wanted to make 10K a month, work from home, travel the world and just dictate my life. And when I was running my agency, it still felt like I was kind of like, it, it was better than being an employee or, or being like a W2, but I still felt like I was living to work. And like uh, all of my time was going to this agency. My phone was being blown up every two seconds. And I'm just like, damn, I, I like this and, and I'm happy with it. But there's always two sides to every single coin. Right. And it's important to understand the difference between being happy and being satisfied. Right. Was I happy with my business? A hundred percent. And it was starting to put me on a path to get what I wanted. But was that really what I wanted to do for the next two years? And, and would I be satisfied two years if I was still running my, my business? And I was kind of faced with the decision. Do I start scaling my, my marketing agency and start hiring on employees and start delegating things and kind of removing myself from the process? Or do I figure out what I really do enjoy about my agency pivot to something a little bit more like something I'm a little bit more passionate about and just pour all my energy into that. And uh, I ended up getting on a call with Brian and I was having this conversation with him and I'm like, dude, I just, I don't know if this is really what I want to be doing. And that's when I found out about closing or, or remote closing and like this whole industry. And at the time I came on as a setter, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So yeah. I had a conversation and he's like, dude, why don't you just sell your business? Come join my sales team. It's going to give you the same outcome you're looking for out of your business but with far less work and you can only, and you'll focus your time on doing the thing you're actually passionate about, which like for me was like communicating and sales and, and just becoming like an effective communicator and helping people. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think that's a huge, a huge part. Like you, you already mentioned it in there, but I want to highlight it because I think uh, this is super, th this could hit home with a lot of people is when you start getting, when people just start getting hit with, with stuff on ads is like, they kind of assume that the way that the ways that the people are talking about are the only ways to do things. And they like really like dig themselves into that hole of like, okay, I'm going to learn all about this thing, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, right? I'm sure you've learned a ton of like skills and communication and sales from having the agency, right? Stuff that you, yeah. that you wouldn't have learned, you know, without going through that situation. But I think people just need to get really uh, specific on what they ultimately want and then figuring out like what's the best vehicle to get to that place right because if we like boil it down like you said it's I want to make more money then I want to make more money and I want to have more freedom right and could an agency do that sure but what does it really boil down to are you passionate about 
all those things that you said, right? The laundry list of building a team, prospecting, sales, yeah. marketing, fulfillment, or do you literally just want it to, to make it like the simplest way to like making money? So I just want to like really highlight that because I think again, people get into that, that, that mindset of like, I need to own a business to make this amount of money, which isn't true, you know? Um, so, okay. So you have the conversation with Brian and you jump in more as like a setter. So what was like, I guess that time frame between getting started and then maybe even like ascending into a closer, right? Because I think a lot of people have like that goal of like, I want to be a setter, but like ultimately I want to be a closer. What was like kind of the timeline and maybe some of the hardships we'll say, uh, you know, in between that time? Yeah, boy, I, I got a funny story for you. Um, so I'm going to preface all of this by saying, don't like, I know this is super, super freaking cliche, but don't like rush it, enjoy the journey. And like, you have to, like being a closer is about being a leader. And the thing about leading is you can only lead people to the efficiency you're able to lead yourself, right? And you have to be a leader, like you have to be a leader before you have the title of a closer, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, mm -hmm. right? And so I, when I was setting, I first off, I, I got hired on as a setter. I set with that company for like seven months. And to be honest, at the time, like I was just kind of wanting to rush the process. And I'm like, hey, like, I feel like I'm good enough. I, I want to be a closer now. Like, and I was talking to leadership. I'm like, make me a closer. And they didn't, like, I wasn't ready for it. And looking back now at that Jared compared to this Jared, no, no chance. Like, yeah. there's no way he would have been a good closer or been able to lead people because I could barely dress myself in the morning, you know? Um, so anyway, sat there for like six, seven months. And, and I was really just trying to rush the process. And I was kind of getting unhappy with how long it was taking as opposed to like appreciating the journey. And uh, Brian at the time actually ended up calling me December of like 2019. And he ended up firing me. He's like, dude, I, I don't think this is a good fit anymore. Like, mm -hmm. you need to get really clear on your goals and like why you're doing this and where you want to be. And you're kind of being a little bit immature. And at the time, I was like, no, I'm not like, I'm, I'm mature. I, I got this. Right. So he ended up like firing me. And uh, then I'm like, OK, well, let's like try to figure out what I'm going to do and what I'm going to repivot in and try to start out my agency again. But I just wasn't really clear on like what I wanted. And uh, I ended up coming back to work with Brian in uh, I think it was like April of 2020. It's like four or five months later, I was still getting coached by him in like his back end program one on one to help me scale my agency and got back on a call one day. And he's like, dude, why don't you? Like I was telling him about how I was struggling and, and I'm struggling to like revamp the agency or restart the agency. And it's like, why don't you just come back and be a setter? And I was like, oh my goodness, dude. I was just thinking that. I would love to. So sign I ended me up being, on. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. So I jumped back into setting, uh, set for that company for another six months till the end of the year. And um, right around that time was when Cole was thinking about starting RCA and launching RCA. And this was January of 2021. And Brian ended up coming over with Cole and partnering with him because he was just a little bit more passionate about like helping people kind of do the same thing he helped me do. So I ended up coming over and working with Cole. I got on an interview with Cole, had the interview, he hired me on. And um, I sat with RCA from January of 21 till around like November, October, November of last year. And then I moved into like building out the cold outbound process for the SDA, the SDA portion or our B2B side of the company. Um, because I, I was just like a really efficient setter. I did it for probably like a year and a half at that point. And so I transitioned over here and started building out that process. And then in 2022 or the start of this year, I sat down in January and I really just got clear on what I wanted, what my goals were, what I wanted to see over the next like two years of my life and where I wanted to be. And 
at that point, like the next stage for me was to grow into like higher levels of leadership, which is ultimately becoming a closer. So I ended up getting on the, on a call with Mitchell. <clears throat> He's the uh, CEO of the SDA side of the company for those of you who don't know. Um, and I had a really just genuine down to earth conversation with him. And I'm like, Hey dude, I've been setting for a while. Um, I'm not saying I want to move into a closer right now, but I want to be a closer by July of this year. So the next six months, I want to be a closer. And I'm coming to you now because I am just curious what you need to see from me, what traits, what skill sets you need to see me develop and increase my ability in those skill sets. So then when it comes to July, it's a no brainer that I'm going to be able to move into a closer. It's a no brainer that you will feel confident in moving me into closing. And so he gave me some things to work on, mostly leadership, um, a lot of personal things in my life and like where I was living, what I was doing, how often I was going to the gym, what level of accountability I held myself to and started doing that for the next like two to three months and really just focused in on creating the best possible life I could, leading myself again so then later I could efficiently lead others. And in March of this year, got back on and he's like, dude, a position opened up with a remote closing academy uh, closing and uh, it's yours if you want it. So ended Let's up jumping into closing. I've been doing it ever since. And yeah, well, dude, I, I know the story, but it's just, it's, it's really awesome to hear it, hear it from, you know, the person that went through it. And he said a couple of things I wanted to, to really highlight because that, even just that last thing that you talked about, it, it's, it's really cool to see how different even you and just saying it, how different the mentality was like when you were a setter and a closer within, you know, the, the first program into now. And this was also a big thing that we talked about at the event of like, you, you got to approach it. Like so many people want to rush that process of like, okay, I'm a setter, but like, I want to make the money of a closer. And they just like almost, they feel entitled to that as opposed to yeah. what you just went through of like, Hey, like instead of saying like Mitchell, make me a closer, it's like Mitchell, like help me understand like what I need to do, what steps I need to take, what type of person do I need to be in order to ascend into the next process. And he gave you that actual, like the step-by-step -step exactly what to do. So yeah. what would you, uh, cause you talked about it, but uh, like any advice or, or something that you would say to someone that's feeling like impatient, right? Like I, dude, I'm an impatient person like myself, so I, I get that. But what would you say to like someone that's, that's kind of the same thing of like, they, they, maybe they haven't even started and they're like, I want to start off as a closer. I want to start like, what would you say to them? Or maybe something that helped you kind of get over that? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, dude, good question. Um, and honestly, it's first off, like the tactical stuff, a closer that started as a setter will always be a closer that just jumped into closing. Because if thing, if you like need more bookings on your calendar or you want to make a little bit more money and you're not getting the amount of opportunity you want, especially with like lower level companies who maybe aren't at like the seven, eight, nine figure mark, it's very beneficial to know how to set because you can go make some calls or post some things on Facebook or go hit the two steps and start setting your own deals, right? And so it just allows you to have a lot more control as a, as a, like a closer as opposed to just sitting around and like crossing your fingers and hoping your calendar gets full. Right, because at the end of the day, like you just can't go to the bank and buy a house with hope. You can't. It's impossible. Right. So the tactical stuff is like you're always going to be more efficient. Your career and and where you're going to go is always going to be more beneficial. Starting as a setter. Another tactical advice is a lot of you guys watching this this podcast probably don't only just want to be a closer for the rest of your life. Like a lot of you are entrepreneurs. You have big goals. You want to accomplish big things. And I'm sure one day you want to be leading either a business or a company, or even just be like a CRO or sales integrator for one of these entrepreneurs. And the only way you're actually gonna be able to do that at a really high level, and the only way someone's gonna 
trust you to do that is if you know holistically the whole sales process, setting, closing, fulfillment, what marketing looks like. And if you only ever start as a closer, you're not going to be able to develop that skill set as a setter. And then if you do end up getting in those positions, you're not going to be able to lead your team efficiently on when they have problems. You're not going to be able to pull from any experiences to effectively lead them. Mm -hmm. Right. Secondly, being a setter and being a closer, and this is a little bit more uh, like emotional advice, but being a setter and being a closer are very different. Like I used to think for a long time when I was setting, like sometimes I'd set someone for a closer and I'm like, how do you not close them? Like they were the easiest, easiest set in the yeah. world. Like, there's no <laughs> way. But then when I moved into closing, I realized like the level of leadership you need truly as a closer compared to a setter. And the easiest way I can explain this is setters are kind of more your friends and they're going to tell you what you want to hear just to kind of get you on the call they're going to be a lot more friendly but being a true effective leader isn't like you don't care if somebody likes you or not you care about helping them and being a closer is about telling somebody what they need to hear not what they want to hear yeah right because the level of, or, or the decision-making process that people live every day with like they, everybody runs a script and they're just used to making decisions a certain way which is why they're at that point in life and when you're a closer, you have to be able to break that pattern or break that script that they're running in their mind and say, hey, like, have you considered that part of the reason you're not at where you want to be is the way you're making decisions right now? And as a setter, like, I never had the ability to do that because I was more focused on, like, the outcome and, like, making sure they showed up with the, with the, the closer and they were in pocket, right? So it's, it's very different. Like, your emotional intelligence being a closer versus being a setter is very, very different. Right. And if you start as a setter, it's going to allow you to start developing that emotional intelligence before you use it or, or before you're effectively able to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. Anyone that's listening, like literally just listen back to like the last three and a half minutes. Like I marked it on this this new app that we're using. So we're going to like listen back to it. It's it's super good stuff. So let's let's go back to the story. So you have the conversation with Mitchell um, position opens up in RCA. So you, you become a closer. Like finally you hit you hit the pinnacle. What let's so take off from there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, dude, the, the rest is kind of history. So I, I started closing, um, March and I've been doing it ever since. And dude, the amount of fulfillment and impact I truly feel like I make as a closer, even versus being a setter is, is un intangible. Like the amount of messages and people reaching out to me, thanking me for closing them. Like at first it was a little bit selfish and I'm like, I just want to make money and I want the freedom. And, and I, I just, want to live this type of lifestyle. Then I started to realize how impactful or how much weight my ability has to communicate with somebody and help them understand why they need to be a closer or why they need to change their decision-making patterns. It started to really like pull, like put a weight on me. And I'm like, oh dang, like I actually changed lives out here. And I could literally be the point of complete change in somebody's life. And if I don't show up the right way, if I'm not a leader in the way that this person needs me to be, their life could stay the same. Right. And so over the last couple of months, especially in the last like four months, I'm really resonating with that. And I have like a nice, healthy balance of wanting to make money and, and all my selfish goals and what I want to accomplish in life, but also starting to develop really high selfless goals and like wanting to actually make a difference and help change people's lives and help them progress like both in life and in their careers. Um, and so I've been doing it ever since or ever since March. And dude, I'll probably do it for the next like two years until like I'll just kind of figure out what I'm going to do at that point. But right now I'm just really focused on helping people, making money, um, gaining experiences and becoming a better version of myself. And then in a couple of years, I'll kind of figure out like what's the best point at that at that time. But yeah, yeah. Dude, that's basically where I'm at. Good, man. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll kind of add a couple things there, too, because um, 
you know, we just came back from like last week, we had the in-person event. If you listen to the last episode of the podcast, it kind of the recap and there was like 10, 11 different interviews that I did and kind of compiled it all into one. So if you missed that, check it out because it's super cool. But just overall, like the, the impact I think is the, the biggest thing that keeps me going. And it sounds like you as well is, you know, I think, like you said, there's, there's room for the selfish goals, but also if you just focus on like other people and like their goals, as a byproduct, you're going to make more money, right? Because more people are going to come on because they feel that you're a genuine person that actually wants to help them, you know? And, um, you know, anyone that's listening to this, like really just kind of think about like your current situation of, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're working a nine to five or you own your own agency or business, like what type of impact do you feel like you're making? And that's the first part of it. Number two, do you want to be able to make more impact, right? Because if the answer is yes to that second thing and you're not currently achieving that, like what steps can you take in order to, you know, get to that point, whether it's through remote closing, whether it's through, you know, just, but I think just the first step of that is just kind of coming to a realization of like, okay, I'm not currently doing what I need to, to get to the tra trajectory or where I ultimately want to be. So let's get, um, let's get tactical. So we'll start let's on the setter it. side, you know, what, what would be maybe like one, two, like quick tips, tricks that you would give to someone that's just getting started with setting and, and it, some, it might be mentality, right? Cause I think that it kind of boils down to that stuff, but more, you know, whatever comes to mind, I guess, if you can share some, some, some tips yeah. for setters. So a few things first off, now I think this is honestly probably one of the most important is we have to understand that going through life, you're going to have multiple different chapters and different seasons of your life. Right. And you're always going to have a priority list of what's most important, most important at that time in your life versus what's least important. And this priority list is going to change depending on what chapter or what season of your life you're in. Right. And so a lot of people starting off in setting, a lot of them are pretty green and they're just understanding this industry and they're just understanding like communication and sales and, and setting and talking to people and having this type of dialogue with people. Right. And what I mean by this is, if you're just starting and you're just getting into this industry, especially as a setter, you have to recognize the season in life you're in, which is like heavy growth, right? And when I first started setting, my priority list, like at the top of the priority list was growth, learning, working, right? And again, it kind of goes back to like brushing the process. A lot of setters think just because they made it as a setter, I got mad glare on my glasses, by the way. I don't know if anyone else can see <laughs> It's that. all good. It's not, it doesn't look that bad. <laughs> That's why. Um, anyway, so they, they kind of try to rush the process and like, oh, I made it as a setter. Like everything, I can start doing what I want. But like there's a lot of growth you have to do as a setter, um, even to be good, like be a really, really efficient setter. So anyway, first thing is like recognizing what season in life you're in and being able to develop that priority list depending on what season you're in. And if you're just starting, like you should prioritize growth and learning because like if you want to have freedom and make money and live a lifestyle that a lot of you guys describe to me on our sales calls or on the calls that I'm on with you, you need to be really good at setting, right? First off. Secondly, um, the second piece of advice is you have to get really efficient as a setter. Like a lot of setters think, okay, all I have to do is make 300 calls a day and I'll be making 20K a month. And it's just not that simple, right? And the biggest thing is efficiency. And like, if you take two setters and one works five hours a day and sets five people, the other one works one hour a day and sets five people, these two setters hold the same weight in the company. Neither are more valuable, neither are less valuable. They, they're at the exact same level, right? And we have to understand that we are working in like a performance-based career. And so you get paid directly based off of how much you work and how good you are those hours you're working. And so for me setting, like, dude, I wasn't even necessarily like, 
extremely better than all the other setters at like sales and like tactical sales stuff. I just got very efficient with knowing where I need to be like be spending my time every day from kind of goes back to the priority list. Like what's the most efficient task I could be doing second, third, fourth. And a lot of people will recognize that and they'll split up their days in blocks. Like, okay, the most efficient thing I can do as a setter is be calling. So I'm, I'm going to be blocking off these hours calling. And then the second most efficient thing I can do is messaging people on Facebook. So they'll block off a couple hours. Right. But the way I thought about it is I had a list of like most efficient activities down to least efficient activities. Right. And so I, I think my list back then was like sending text in the morning. Secondly was outbound dials. Third was messaging, like hitting two steps and messaging people. Fourth was um, emails or something like that. Sorry, I haven't said in like a year now, but I, I was just very clear with what uh, were the most producing activities and the least producing. And again, people will do that, but they'll block off their calendar. But the way I thought about it was I was constantly thinking every single minute, the days I was working, what should I be doing right now? What should I be doing right now? And so sometimes my time was like spending it, spending a lot of time in number one, depleting that source. Then I'll spend time in number two and then it's depleted. But most people just move on to number three, right? But if I'm on number two and it's depleted, I'm going to go back up to number one and like see what's up, like mm -hmm. see if there's leads coming in, send new text messages, completely deplete that again. Then I'll go back to number two, even if it's been like 20 minutes, deplete that. Then if there's nothing going on in my first most efficient activity and my second, then I move on to third. Right. But a lot of setters will just want to hit like the whole entire list every day. And there's there's days where like I didn't even hit number four five or six, if this is making sense to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I'm like tracking it in my head, but it basically it's like figure out what is like most people. They don't even have that list. You know, they don't even yeah. know like what what's the most efficient. So it's like they just start testing a bunch of stuff. They're like, maybe I'll do like this and that. And then you know, they look at the end of the day and it's like, why don't I have any sets? Well, because your time probably wasn't spent, number one, the most efficiently and also like in the most you know, if we're talking about the IPAs, the income producing activities in, in this example, like you're not going to get to, you're not going to really get to a point where you can like number one, understand where it's going to come from or like also hit like your projections for the week. <laughs> exactly. Well, and help people and make money, which is why we're all here. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So those great stuff for setters, let's talk closers. So someone's coming in as a, uh, you know, as a closer and you know we'll assume that they they went through setting first so they kind of have some of that prerequisites of like the yeah. sales process and general things of communication but just what some overall tips that have helped you um even in your transition from setter to closer dude it all goes back to leadership like everything goes back to leadership and the analogy i use when i'm like thinking about closing and and this is going to get a little uh a little intense for some of you but this is literally how i think about it if you have a family member that is heavily addicted to drugs and you have an intervention with them, right? So they need a drastic life change. Are you going to tell them what they want to hear or what they need to hear? You're going to tell them what they need to hear, right? Because if you tell them what they want to hear, they're just going to keep doing the thing that they're doing. Hey, I totally get it. It's probably tough. You've went through a lot of things in your life and I'm sure it helps you cope and et cetera, right? But that's not going to change anything. They're just going to keep doing what they've been doing. Whereas telling them what they want to hear or sorry, what they need to hear, that's what's gonna actually elicit change. Like, you're gonna die, dude. Like, if you don't stop doing this, you're gonna die. Look at all the people around you that care about you and love you and, and wanna spend the rest of their lives with you and help you make this change. And so the biggest thing when I was moving from, again, closing to setting, and, and what, I had, what I had to get really good at with closing is leadership and telling somebody what they wanna hear, not what they need to hear. And finding that balance between 
because like, I'd always like keep like going to either side, like drastically. First, I'd be like too friendly, and then I'd get on a call review, and Brian's like, "What are you doing? Like, you're way too friendly. You're like basically the parent who is best friends with their kid, and then when their kid messes up, how are you supposed to parent them and help discipline them if they just look at you like a parent?" Then I'd go way over here, and he's like, "Dude, you're you're not a drill sergeant. Like, calm down. That you there's like a middle ground you have to find. Yeah. It's like you can be a friendly leader." But you can be friendly and a leader at the same time. You can be an open, welcoming leader, right? And then just hold people accountable to the things that they're telling you, right? And at the end of the day, this is something I always, always think about as a closer. At the very end of the call, when somebody's giving you objections, telling you this reason they can't do it or this reason they can't do it or this logistical or whatever they say, we have to understand that either they're closing you on why they shouldn't do it or you're closing them on why they should do it every single time. I don't care what the objection is or what they're saying. You're either being closed or they're being closed, right? And if you truly do care about helping somebody, not like even removing the money that you make from the deal, you have to help them understand why that decision-making pattern is one, leading to the result they're getting in life and two, why they need to change it. Because everybody also, like you're exactly where you should be in this universe and in this time. Like you get exactly what you deserve. So anyway, dude, the biggest thing is honestly leadership. It's leadership. It's... Um, holding people accountable to what they said and understanding that either like they're closing you on why they shouldn't or you're closing them on why they should. I think a, a big takeaway that, that I want people to kind of like pull from this is not once, I don't even think on, on an episode of this podcast, not once have we talked about like, here's the one line that you can say to get someone past an objection or here's, you know, this, uh, this script, like this one specific script that will get past people objections. And it's literally just like, if you show up to these calls and you want to help the people, and you genuinely, like 100% down to your core, believe that you have the thing that's gonna help them get past that thing, it's selfish to not express that to that person, right? And, and let them go, you know, back to Jared's analogy, back and let them continue on that path that they are, right? If, if you actually care about that person and you you care about like their well-being and, and you know, whether it's their lack of decision-making or the way that they're making decisions, like it's it's really important to, to, to really tie back to that. Um, so let's, um, I guess, could you share with us maybe, cause obviously people always want to hear about the money. <laughs> so, you know, give us like maybe your, your best month ever as like a closer. And then, you know, maybe about average, like, um, what, what a closer in general is making. Yeah. Dude, good question. My ironically, when I was an STA setter, my best month is still STA setting. Cause it's just such a good offer and the authority and branding that Cole has in this marketplace. And the need for that is just insane. So my best month as an SDA closer, I think it was like 18 to 20K, um, nice. just setting deals. And that's very atypical. Not everybody's going to achieve that. My best month as a closer so far is 17 and a half. And keep in mind, I've only been doing this since March and I'm still learning yeah. and I'm still progressing. But 17, new closers coming into the industry. After being trained, like they're going to average 8 to 13K a month, at least for the first six months. And then the way I think about it is every two to three months, increment past that point, you're going to raise your income around two to four K a month. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I imagine by like January of this year, like I'm actually on pace to have a record month this month, I'll probably end up around like 21 us, um, in December, which for everybody here who uses the holidays and the time of the year is an excuse. <laughs> it's actually not, it's actually yeah. more recent. Well, no. and that's the thing, dude. I was going to say, like, uh, for everyone that's listening, again, keep in mind, like, if, if Jared's about to do 21,000, not only, I mean, we were at an event for four days. So you were kind of like, did you take calls when we were at the event? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So Jared's just been grinding nonstop. But anyway, he was at an like we were all at an event for four days. So, you know, he was able to close deals then, travel across the country, and he was in Canada and then going down to uh to Arizona. So that was one thing. And then all the holidays, right? So, you know, if you're on track to do that, guys, like there's there's no there's no excuse like any excuse that you use, like we're we're gonna we're gonna come at you and we're gonna give you the best the best case scenario. <laughs> so I'm sorry, did you did you finish your thought? No, dude, that was my thought. Yeah, no, you hit it. Sweet. So let's, I guess real quick, what would you say to someone that was maybe in your, in that situation where, you know, you, you owned a business and you had the agency and it was doing decent, right? But you didn't ultimately feel like it was giving you the fulfillment that you wanted. And, um, you know, you didn't want to like keep, continue to do like all these different skills. What would you say to someone that was maybe in that same situation, whether it's an agency, you know, they're doing SEO, they're uh, consulting business, whatever. Yeah. Focus on one thing. Like get, again, with the agency or with like e-commerce or all these different like making money online things, there's, it's just not one thing. Like there's 48 different things you have to get good at. And it's really hard to be focusing time on increasing all these different skill sets when there's so many of them, right? I'm sure everybody's heard the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, right? And that's kind of where I was at with the agency. So jack of all trades, but I was master of none. And so when my life really started to change and when I really started to start getting the outcome I was hoping to get out of my business was when I just picked one thing, honed in on it and got really, really good at it, right? And Aaron, I'm sure you can even attest to this with what you're doing with Cole right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, so with, with you know, the content creation and stuff, it's like, when I had my agency, and people have probably heard the story already, but um, yeah, when I had my agency, it was like, I was doing all these different things, but what I really, really loved was like, communication and like creating content. So when an opportunity opened up to be like, Hey, like you can do this. And like, that's all you can focus on is like, I am like super jacked up every single day to jump on these interviews and like talk to people like Jared, like some of the recent clients. So 100%, like being able to focus in on the one thing that you love, um, not only from a monetary standpoint, obviously it just like it helps. Um, and also just from like a mental standpoint, like it's, I can't even remember how many times I went to sleep, like stressed out of my freaking mind because <laughs> one client was pissed. One client's ad campaign was like not working. Another one's like, they were just complaining about nothing. You know what? Like my salesperson was out and like, it was just always constant fires to put out as opposed to just now I just like, I make videos and, and play around on TikTok and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you're having fun. Some of the little memes you post on Cole's page, dude, I, I laugh. My ass. <laughs> <laughs> Cole's, uh, Cole's cartoon is, is, a is a, is a talking My favorite. The company. It's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah. okay. So, so cool. So did we, yeah. So focus on the one thing you mentioned that, um, I guess, what would you say someone that is maybe like, they're kind of on the fence of remote closing in general, right? We, we've already got them past the point of like, okay, I got to focus on one thing, but what would you say to someone that's thinking about like, okay, maybe remote closing is the way for me, but like, I don't want to be like a scammy salesperson and I don't want to have that title of, of being in sales. What would you say to them? Yeah, dude, great question. And what we have to understand is the e-learning alternative education space is very, very different than cliche sales positions, right? I actually made a post about this on my Facebook um, about two weeks ago. And dude, I don't even blame normal sales reps for having the energy that they do when they're selling cars or real estate. And, and personally, what I truly believe is the problem starts with like the businesses and the business owners. And everybody hates the car salesperson or the used car salesperson because he's like very pushy. But if you put yourself in his shoes, they only get like one or two leads every single day. And so when that one person walks in and he or she needs to feed their family, 
like they are going to do whatever it takes to close that deal, which is what has or what causes like this desperation energy. And one of the beautiful things about remote closing, and I'm going to get into like the difference in how you help people and the products, but even just this mindset around it, the difference with remote closing is the responsibility of lead flow and marketing and having people to talk to falls on the business owner. And so yeah. you're never put in a position where you're like very desperate and you're like, please, please buy my thing. Like I need this. You're never like that because you have ample amount of opportunity and ample amount of people that potentially want to get help from your company. Right. So one, you're, you are allowed to have like different energy because you're not put in that desperation mode. Secondly, this is a very different type of sale because if you think of business development or self-improvement, which are like the two main categories within like the e-learning space. And if we even look at self-improvement, like if somebody's coming to a business to get help with their mindset, with their fitness, with their nutrition, marriage coaching, dating coaching, parenting coaching, addiction coaching, so many different things, they don't necessarily have to buy that, right? Like it's, a, it's something yeah. that they want to work on themselves with. And so the reason I highlight that is it takes more genuine energy and like grounded down to earth energy to have a real conversation with that person and help them understand like, is this program or is my business that I represent actually going to be beneficial to you? And if you truly believe it is, you're just helping them understand how. And it's not this like high level sales tactics where it's like you're handling objections like freaking Grant Cardone or, or some of these salespeople who are just very like pushy. It's just coming from a very genuine energy. And we more so look for people who like have that emotional intelligence and truly do care about people as opposed to the person that hops on and goes, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, the reality is an Eskimo doesn't need ice. They need a winter jacket. So can you sell them a winter jacket? Yo, that was good. <laughs> but no, dude, that's that's spot on. It's like it's taking that, um, you know, kind of flipping it on its head. It's like, okay, does someone like someone needs a car, right? They need a car for tra transportation. So the salesperson knows that. And they're going to like dig into the reason why they like they need that. Not saying someone doesn't need like, you know, help with, um, you know, relationships or, or bettering themselves or whatever. But it's just a yeah, like you said, a very different dynamic and energy between those two. Yeah. The, the um, amount of times, dude, that, that I'll be on sales calls and I get to the end of the call and like I'm enrolling them and onboarding them into the program. And the amount of times that they're just like, dude, this felt like a real conversation like I didn't even really feel like you were selling me I just felt like I was talking to like my friend about what I wanted out of life and my problems and you just helped make it very clear on like why I needed to do this like I get that so often because that's the energy that it takes to be a remote closer it's not like being an insurance agent mm -hmm. there was one uh, there was one thing that you you noted on that I it kind of slipped my mind but um yeah so so anyone that's listening it's like okay just think, don't think of it as like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be this like scammy salesperson. And like we've, you know, talked to a lot of people in the podcast already that's kind of said that same thing. But the, you know, the biggest, the biggest difference of, or not the biggest difference, but I think it's, um, you know, talking to some of the people you mentioned, like the ice to Eskimo. It, you don't necessarily have to have sales experience, right? It's like we kind of look at it. It's not that we push away people that have sales experience, but if you don't have sales experience, it's better because you don't learn the bad habits. You know, exactly. what do you what it, just from your experience, like for people that have come on the team, like, have you seen, seen that like firsthand, like, you know, having to teach people and like un, unteach them specific habits from like an old school sales? Like a thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. And, and the best analogy I can help people understand, like the difference between remote closing and like other sales positions, they're just different sports, right? Like if you're a real estate agent, you're really good at playing hockey. If you're a car salesperson, you're really good at playing football. 
right? And being a remote closer is playing basketball. And so it's like, yeah, a lot of the foundational components of being an athlete are still going to be able to transcend into other sports. But just because you play in the NFL or the NHL and you're really, really good at that doesn't mean you're going to come over and understand all the nuances and all the plays and all of the understanding on how to be a professional basketball player in the NBA, right? And that's the best analogy I can give people. And yeah, there's been a lot of habits that people have to break. Like We've worked with stockbrokers and like that type of energy. And it's like, dude, you don't need to be so pushy. Like you just are very like lean out, just be very genuine and figure out like, why is this person interacting? What's the problem? And like, how can we actually help that as opposed to pushing like penny stocks on them? Right. So yeah, I mean, there's a ton of bad habits, but it's really not hard to break a lot of them because again, like they're, they're, they're having those habits because they've never been in a situation or in a sales role that allows them to one, actually feel like they can care about people and two, not have to sell every person you talk to, even if it doesn't make sense. So mm-hmm. nothing crazy, dude. It's just, it's just like being a little bit more genuine, which everybody can be. Love it. So for those of you that are currently salespeople, I, I, maybe I went a little bit hard and said, we're not going to like work with those people, but that's not what I meant. We're going to bring, bring them, them, bring them in. And the reality is Aaron, like if I, if somebody plays professional NFL or professional football and they want to be a basketball player, we can genuinely teach them how to be a better, like how to transition into that sport very easily because they're already competitive and they're already athletic and they work hard and they're disciplined and they're coachable and and just changing those skill sets to something else is fairly simple, right? So we love salespeople and we'll work with any salesperson (laughs) that wants to get out of their uh, hit or miss sales position and come do this. Love it. Thank you for clarifying for, for those that are listening that are like current salespeople are like, I'm leaving this episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. This guy? yeah exactly. Okay. So we're going to do last one last thing. I want you to think of, um, I'll give you some time. Any like last tips, tricks, like golden nuggets that you'd give to someone while you think about that. I'm just going to do a quick uh, little push over to the, uh, to the video that everyone should watch. So for those of you that are listening um, up to this point, I mean, we've been talking for like 44 or 45 minutes at this point and uh, you're probably somewhat interested in in remote closing and and all that kind of stuff. So, we put together a video. Uh, actually, Cole, uh, business partner, put together a video. It's the guy that kind of created the whole remote closing thing um, a couple of years ago. Did 500 grand, uh, you know, in commissions in his uh, I think second year in in really pursuing it. Um, I put together a video. It's down in the description um, here on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast app, it's in the show notes. Um, check it out. It's like a 30 minute video. It'll break down uh, literally the exact step-by-step process of what remote closing is, how you can use it, kind of the uh, where it's going right in 2025. It should be an over $325 billion a year industry, uh, which all that really means for us is massive opportunity. So if you want to check that out again, down in the descriptions uh, in, on YouTube and then in the show notes over on the podcast app. So hopefully I gave enough time. Jared, what'd you got? Oh my goodness, dude, you're putting me on the spot here. I've given so many. (laughs) Um, Dude, I I think a few things. One, always bet on yourself because no one else is going going to. Investing in yourself is always the answer. No matter what you do, whether it's remote closing or fitness coach or nutrition coach, investing in yourself to become a better version of yourself is always going to be more beneficial than anything else you can ever do or spend money on. Secondly, I, w- I want to leave you guys with this one, um, I, d- I don't know what to call it, uh, statistic per se, but when I learned this, like it really, really, really shocked me. And sometimes I walk people through this on my sales calls, but when we think of, and, and I'm sure most people watching this, like you aspire to be in the 1%, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure everybody here wants to be in the 1%. And when we look at these two groups, people, 1% and the 99%, 
and we ask ourselves, okay, in the 1%, how many of these people are self-made versus inherited their wealth? Most people think the majority inherited their wealth, meaning money was passed down from their parents or their family. What's funny is 90% of people in the 1% are actually self-made. Only 10% of them inherited their wealth, right? And then on the other hand, if we look at the 99% of people, how many of these people want to live in the 1%? Aaron, how many of these people do you think want to be over here? 100%. (laughs) Every single person, right? And if we also know 100% of these people want to be over here, and only, or 90% of these people came from over here, what's the distinction? Actually doing what they need to to get to that point. Exactly. Doing what they need to. Focusing on themselves, investing in themselves, becoming better versions of themselves. And again, going back to what I said earlier on the call, like you are exactly where you deserve to be in life. I'm exactly where I deserve to be in life. Aaron's exactly where he deserves to be. Whoever's watching this through their phone screen, you're exactly where you deserve to be. And what got you here, Alex Ramosi says this, what got you here won't get you there, right? And so you always have to be asking yourself, like, what areas of my life do I need to improve so I can get one step closer to where I want to be? Um, And at the end of the day, the universe is always going to reward somebody who's an action taker, who's a go-getter, works on themselves every single day, invests in themselves, as opposed to the person who kind of waits around and, and hopes things, money or opportunity fall from the sky. I truly believe that the universe, like, and and it's very different than how I grew up, but how I grew up was like some city up in Canada, north part of Canada, middle of nowhere. I think we had like 40,000 people in our population. And a lot of the mindset there is the universe is out to get you. Life is out to get you. Mm -hmm. Your fate's written. Your destiny's written. I don't believe that at all. You totally create your own path. There's a path to do anything you want. You just have to be willing to find it. Boom. I think that we waited a couple seconds for you to come up with that, but that was perfect. <laughs> that was a great way to end it. All right, guys. So first of all, Jared, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I honestly had like, we usually go through like seven or eight more questions, um, but we, I think this conversation that we had was, was really great. So we'll have to give us an excuse to bring you on for a, for a follow-up episode in the next three to six Anytime. months. Um, so again, like I said before, guys, uh, make sure to check the link down in the description. Actually, if you go through that, that video and at the end of it, you're like, Hey, like, actually this might be something that I want a little bit more help on. Uh, Jared might be the one that actually ends up like being on the call. So if you like Jared and you thought this was a cool episode and, and you know that going back to what Jared just said, you know that you're destined for more, you know that you want to create a life that is better for yourself, then take a chance again, watch the video worst case scenario is you're going to like maybe lose 30 minutes of your time and not learn anything. Best case scenario, you, you know, go on the next path uh, in the trajectory to better life. So uh, with that being said, guys, again, once again, thank you, Jared, for hanging out with us. Uh, For those of you that are listening, of course, this has been the Remote Closing Academy podcast. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Talk to you soon. Peace.